Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. I was I was uh, house sitting for my uncle, and uh, he's got a little uh, dog named uh, Snickers, and a little uh, a bugle. Is that the correct way to say it? I always say beagle, but is it beagle or bugle? Is it a dog or is it a musical instrument? See, this is where I don't like having these conversations because I know I'm going to sound like an ass. But anyway. Be- Beagle Beagle is the dog. Bugle is the musical instrument. I guess I just hear people mispronounce it or I'm an idiot. Either one is possible. Or okay. both are. So, sure, yeah. So I'm there and I got the pull-out bed. I'm house-sitting for, the, for my aunt and uncle and I'm with Snickers the dog. And the new episode came out about the Richard Williams uh, short. And it was such an enjoyable conversation that I just put it on and uh, took a nice little nap listening to our podcast. So uh, yeah, if you <laughs> nice. if you if you are uh, if you need to fall asleep, just uh, turn this bad boy on and it'll knock you right out. <laughs> Good God, <That's... laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not entirely sure if that's uh, how we want to advertise this. Well, um, I'll tell you something that certainly won't put you to sleep is uh, the rest of this movie because this is Jacob Marley is Dead, a podcast where we (laughs) fall asleep to the sound of our own voices and also talk about a Christmas carol. And boy, howdy, James, are we talking about a Christmas carol this week? We are talking about the worst version of a Christmas carol that I have ever seen, that I think John has ever seen, and we probably will ever see. I cannot imagine a version of a Christmas carol that is more bizarre than this movie it would have to be really really trying to be insane yeah yeah. why don't we get back into it this is jacob marley is dead and we're talking about a christmas carol was in those ships all three on christmas day on christmas day and what was in those ships all three on christmas day in the morning so Scrooge is back in his bed, uh, having just been shown a student film by the Ghost of Christmas Past, and uh, he wakes up to the sound of of someone humming Old King Wenceslas, which is like one of those old timey Christmas songs. And this is my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. So, so 
<laughs> okay, go on. Uh, not for quality, clearly. Because no, nothing, no, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing in this movie where I was like taken aback by like, oh wow, that's actually really good. Not like nothing, right? This is the only, the only performance in this movie that is making a choice. It's the only one. So the Ghost of Christmas Present uh, is played by Garish Patel, who is the the director of this movie. He, he is wearing a Santa suit, a Santa like a red Santa suit and beard, and there is this close up shot of him buffing his nails with like a little like nail buffer, <laughs> and he's humming "Old King Wenceslas" to himself. I forgot the nails. I yeah. forgot about the. I I happily forgot about the nails. But here's the thing, right? So to me, if this movie had been like these characters doing like these goofy kind of caricature performances and like having fun with it like this, I would have enjoyed this movie a lot as just a piece of like fun, whatever. But because it's like uh, such a bad movie that's taking itself so seriously the whole time, this really stands out to me as like a shining moment of like, well, this isn't good, but it's something to watch that's holding my attention for two seconds it's bad because it's the director taking advantage of the fact that he's the director and he can do this so the director can get away with this so he's gonna have he's gonna take the piss out of this movie because he's allowed to i wonder though so like speaking as a director and and i've directed like kids right before who just don't get it like you give them a script and they just don't they they're not old enough or experienced enough to understand what's why it's funny so they say the lines the wrong way or it's really wooden and you try to like direct them without giving them line reads and it's really hard to like get them to like understand how to emphasize certain lines to make them funny to me i think i i get the impression that that carmel barrett and grish patel are two people who are like very artistic but are living in an area where that's probably not like and i don't want to speak badly of this town in ireland that i've never been to so if anyone is from fermoy ireland and 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 can tell me otherwise please do right but i get the impression that they're just people who are like marginally talented or at least like talent adjacent and they're surrounded by people who aren't and they're trying to make some kind of art with it and it's just not working so to me Garish Patel is just giving the performance that he probably wants other people to give but he has no clue how to get them to give that performance that's that's my guess well because he's so clever and smart that he can pull this off because these two schmuck know just enough to be dangerous okay Yeah, they 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 that's the worst type of person in any field. Somebody who knows a little bit about the subject that they have to either teach or perform with or do a job with, but they really don't know what they're doing. But they get enough other people to believe that they know what they're doing to drag them down as well. And that's what they've done here. Yeah, this scene tells me a lot about, like, Garish Patel as a person. It's interesting. Like, you get, like, an impression of, like, who he is in relation to the rest of the cast just by how he chooses to perform versus how other people perform because he has like bits that he does. Like there's comedy in here. Um, He's talking with this weird distorted, like I am the ghost of Christmas present voice. Like he's got like a voice distortion going on. Mm -hmm. And then Scrooge, he he like asks Scrooge if he's ever seen one of his kind before. And Scrooge says, no, I haven't. And, and like, the music stops and and the vocal stuff stops and he breaks character for a second to be like, oh, really? Like it's a bit, 
right? And he does this a couple of times where like this character is kind of played as like funny a little bit at first. He's and not in the way that the character is like fun and funny, like in the book, like jovial and interesting and energetic. But it's just so weird. It's like so tonally different from everything else that anyone is doing in this movie. If he busted out a cell phone in the middle of this, that would have no, you know what? No, screw this. Screw this guy. Screw this performance. Because I, you know, you're right, though, John. I can definitely get everything I need to know about this guy from this one scene. I didn't know it was the director the first time I saw this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he asked Scrooge to touch his robe. And then he's like, go on, touch it. Like, they make a bit out of it like it's weird. Um, and then we are back at the CGI Cratchit house in the woods, right? The 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 Cratchit cabin window still has hell in it. Window yeah, still like, has hell in it. The house still looks like it's on fire. Um, and inside, uh, we see the Cratchits all sitting in like the same configuration they were in, in the, the last scene where we saw the Cratchits because that all of the, literally all of the Cratchit house scenes were all obviously filmed on the same day because they never change costumes and they're always sitting in the same places. And Mrs. Cratchit just makes the same face the whole time and never speaks. Like they got 30 seconds of footage of Mrs. Cratchit and they're going to use 30 seconds of footage of Mrs. Cratchit. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. What's that test where they take a still image and they just put like another picture next to it. And it's like, you can infer a different emotion when you put the two next to each other. Right. It's yeah. the same thing here. Like Mrs. Cratchit, we have no idea what she's really thinking. We only guess what she's thinking because it's next to something else that's happening. Oh, right. exactly. Bob is being positive and nice. And she's sitting there judging him. Oh, spoilers. Little Lucy dies. She's sad. It- the way this is cut, I remember saying before that like the way this was cut made Cratchit look like he was crazy. But in this scene in particular, he is shot very close to like his forehead at a downward angle. So he's kind of it looks like he's kind of like looking up from under his eyebrows and it he looks deranged. Like it definitely is shot like the way it's shot. It's communicating to you that this is a dangerous person. It's actually like mind boggling how bad they are when it comes to what they do with the camera to tell this story. And Bob Cratchit's acting is dog. It is horrible. It is. Okay. This is Bob Cratchit. I'm Bob Cratchit and I'm telling the story. And this is what's happening in the story right now. And oh no, Mr. Scrooge, it's only once a day. And oh, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. You're giving him more emotion than he gives in this movie. And you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this Cratchit scene is literally just like, they say, they say some of the lines. I don't even remember if little Lucy says, God blesses everyone. She, I feel like I like went into a coma at some point. She does not. And if she does, it's... No, it's not there, but like maybe the dog said it mentally. I I don't know. Like it's like it's the walls of reality are breaking down this movie faster yeah. than they can rebuild them. So and and what's the other thing that's funny about this is like Scrooge and the spirit definitely moved from Scrooge's house to Bob Cratchit's house. But anytime we see the spirit or Scrooge say a line, they're in like the same positions and the same backgrounds as Scrooge's house. So it's unclear whether they moved or not. And obviously because they just shot all of their dialogue like with the camera six inches from their face in one position. (sighs) There is a really funny detail that I noticed here, and I'm curious if you noticed it, too. Whenever Scrooge says Little Lucy, what you hear is him saying Little Lucy, but what his lips say is Tiny Tim. So they 
they definitely filmed this on like the Scrooge scenes at one point under the impression that there was going to be a Tiny Tim. And at some point in the production, they couldn't get a kid to play Tiny Tim, even though they had that recorder playing kid at the beginning of the movie. They had a kid. They had a freaking Tiny Tim. They had a little kid playing a recorder right there. Don't tell me you could have put a wig on him on an eye patch or something. You could have made him look like somebody else. Cause, and don't tell me in this movie, you can't double cast because we are, no, you can double cast. Screw this, <laughs> Jimmy Quebec, and we're back. Um, yeah. So it's once I noticed it, it happens like six or seven times that he says "Little Lucy" and his and he's saying "Tiny Tim." It's so funny to me because it's just like like a peek behind the curtain of how like haphazard the production on this movie is. Like it's clearly just filmed at all different times. There was no point at which they had everything like ironed out. Um. And I look, I know I just ranted for a second there, but like, look, problems come up in movies. You got to make adjustments and that's fine. But if that was the only thing that happened with this movie, we could be forgiving of that. But sure. But you there are ways you could fix this movie and they just. Yeah. And so much of this, we're going to see some really like slapdash lazy stuff, because right after the Cratchit scene, um, Scrooge and the spirit kind of flash to. Um, a graveyard and Scrooge is looking up at someone in a black robe who is supposed to be the ghost of Christmas present still, but we sort of just see like a black robe hanging down next to this gravestone, the black robe, which we will clearly see is worn by the ghost of Christmas future a a few scenes from now. So I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what happened that they were like, we, they were doing all these other shots of Scrooge talking to the spirit where they're just in a dark room right during the Cratchit scene. I don't understand why like this scene had to be recorded in the graveyard unless they wanted the graveyard for ignorance and want, because that's what's coming up here. And it's so clearly not the spirit. Like you only see like a little bit of this black robe, but it's like black. And we already know this character was wearing a red Santa suit. So the continuity is bananas and all over the place. And it's so lazy for them to just be like, they mu- they must've just been shooting the ghost of Christmas future scenes. And we're like, Oh, why don't we do ignorance and want too? but we need to do Scrooge's lines for that. I feel like I'm watching that scene in Goodfellas when they're describing like the extortion racket they're running on the one club owner and he's yeah. got to make the payments. And it's like, I'm asking like, so why was it the ghost of Christmas future? Screw you. Watch it. Wait, why is it little Lucy? But he's clearly saying tiny Tim, screw you. Watch it. And that's the whole thing here. Like they just, they, they, of course why would we ask questions why would we have any questions about this film like so let's talk about ignorance and want because this is some this gets real weird real fast scrooge talks about how the ghost looks older and and it keeps shooting back so anytime the ghost of christmas present speaks it's you know grish patel with his santa beard on with an extreme close-up of his face in shadow so his eyes look super creepy and he's talking about how his time is really brief and like look under my robe and all of that stuff that the spirit usually says during the ignorance and want scenes and then scrooge kind of like peeks down and the first thing we see of ignorance and want is like there's a child and it's like clearly like in inside the folds of like a black robe or something and there's just like a little pinhole of light around the eye which is which is cool like it's a cool it's one of the few very cool looking shots in this movie right it's effective it's a little chilling right in that like indie film kind of way and there's a baby crying noise like a like a newborn crying sound effect that they put in which 
there are other places where like the bad sound effects in this movie are distracting. This is one place where I feel like the bad sound effects kind of work for this one moment. I'm sorry, John. I'm completely numb to this right now. Like, yeah. like I, yeah, they, they tried something there, but it, they yeah. haven't, they haven't earned my, it's like, I don't. Eh. Yeah. So anyway, Scrooge pulls aside the robe and, and he's greeted by like invasion of the body snatchers because the way that, I think this is supposed to be ignorance is portrayed is is a child like a young boy or girl. I couldn't really tell like a young child whose head is wrapped in like a translucent like hot like Halloween spider web. And that's I'm not doing it justice because it looks really disturbing. If this movie can do anything right, it's disturb you. And so that's what the. You know what? At this moment, I was starting to crack more. Like, I already had cracked, but I was cracking even more. Like, you know, they were trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but instead of bringing glue, they brought a hammer, and they were just smashing the pieces over and over again. But here, for like one second, they smashed two pieces together, and they almost fused. Like, it was almost starting to work. And and he's kind of like, his mouth is open, and he's like staring up at the sky, and like, there's this like weird baby crying noise, and it's really upsetting looking. And, you know, the spirit describes ignorance and want. The dialogue, I mean, most of the dialogue in this movie is, is ripped directly from the text with like a few kind of notable exceptions. And then, you know, the spirit shoots... Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses back at him? And it's it. He just keeps saying it. And I think it's supposed to sound like it's echoing because he like says it and then he says it quieter and then he says it quieter. But you're like looking at his face as he's saying, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? And it's weird that he keeps saying it over and over again when I think like the idea is it's supposed to be echoing, but it's not. It's bad. It's not good. And then if you want to do that, like it's in Scrooge's head or the spirit is really trying to lay the like a Greek chorus could come in or something like that. Like, well, and a lot of versions have it like echo in Scrooge's head, even after the spirit has disappeared and he's like running like Alistair Sim did that where he was running through the streets hearing it. And which is, look, it's a, it's the line needs to land. You need, you need Scrooge to reckon with the fact that that's how he felt about people. Not six hours ago, really. Right. Right. And, I don't know if you said something extremely stupid that you regret, um, but oh yeah, we yeah we all do, right? And I can think of like ten right now, right? So um, I've said some of that on this podcast, but like when you like when you have to come face to face with your words and deal with your words, you're ashamed, and that's good to try to make that land not like this. And this brings us to the end of the the Ghost of Christmas Present, which is incredibly brief. I mean, the Ghost of Christmas Present is Garish Patel like doing his bit at the beginning and the Cratchit house and ignorance and want and that's it, right? And and weirdly there's no like student film in the middle of this to teach Scrooge an object lesson and I almost wonder if like there was a plan for him to like watch another weird movie out of the mystery chest at this point uh, i i mean i mean that would have at least made sense like you could yeah. do a version of this story you could do a version of christmas carol where each ghost presents a fable or some sort of story to scrooge to give him a moral now that would work if you do one from the past one from the present and one from the future but as we've discussed previously the ghost of christmas present shows none past shows future and now we're getting to the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. 
But before we do that, we need to pay our clerk, especially on this episode. So we're going to do a quick ad read, and then we will be right back. If I stopped your half a crown for it, you'd think yourself overused, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me overused if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Hmm? Jeez, only one cigar, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Hi, everybody. If you're anything like me, you've been listening to podcasts pretty much as long as podcasts have been a thing. And you've always dreamed that one day you would find a topic you were really passionate about and you would make that dream podcast yourself. Unfortunately, in today's day and age when everybody and their mom and their mom's dog has a podcast and there are so many different podcast hosting platforms to choose from, it can be a little bit difficult to find something that fits both your needs and your budget. And that is where Anchor comes in. If you are someone just breaking into the podcast scene and you're looking for a place to uh, get started hosting your podcast, Anchor is a great choice. For starters, it's totally free. There's no charge to host the files that you need for your podcast. It also has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So if you're someone who hasn't broken into using GarageBand or Audacity or a more professional program to record your podcast... Anchor has all of the tools you need to record right from your phone or computer. Anchor also provides seamless distribution to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms, so it's really easy for you to reach a broad audience. If you're looking to monetize your podcast, you can do so with no minimum listenership through Anchor. Just record an ad and put a sponsorship segment in your show, and you're good to go. It's everything that you need to make a podcast right in one place. If you want to get started recording that podcast you've always dreamed about today, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Comic book stores, sports card shops, the exciting atmospheres of being a geek kid in the 90s. I'm Micah, a 36-year-old girl dad, hubby, and geek. And on the Tavern Geek Podcast, my friends and I ramble on about geek culture and NBA basketball while enjoying crafted adult beverages. So, kick back and enjoy us, the Tavern Geeks. And we're back. We're facing the beast one last time to talk about the Ghost of Christmas future. We're moving so, on. We're moving on. So after uh, after the Ghost of Christmas present disappears, there's some kind of out of footage, uh, footage out of focus. Uh, this is what this is doing to my it's brain. Ca- I can't even speak. It's catching, John. It's catching. Okay. <laughs> there's some out of focus footage of an old graveyard, which is probably the best location they have in this movie, right? It's it's got everything you need for it, right? It's yeah. got it's got the right atmosphere. Well, it doesn't have the right atmosphere because it's day for night, but not even that, right? Yeah, like, it's just daytime and in the summer. Like it's not snowy right. and it's not dark. But we see Scrooge kind of stagger around the graveyard a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Scrooge kind of like old man wanders around the graveyard, looking a little bit like he got lost. <laughs> And doesn't know where he is, which is alarming. There's a there's a trend in this movie of like the more I watch it, the more concerned I become for the guy who plays Scrooge because he seems John like no 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 don't finish that thought. 
How many times have you watched this? Oh, no. So I've only watched this one time. I've okay, seen, okay. I've seen clips from it before. Okay, okay. okay I, saw, just... I saw a YouTuber review it, which is kind of how I discovered it when okay. I was like doing some research for the show. Okay, John, because I was worried that you were like starting to study no, when this. No, what, like... what I say, what I mean by that is like as I go through the movie, the more the more scenes that I see, like as I watch through, okay. I become concerned that this this old guy who plays Scrooge might not like fully have his faculties. He has a lot of like strange facial tics that I don't think are intentional choices that he's making. The way his dialogue is cut makes me think that he was having a hard time reading his lines. And overall, it just feels like maybe you don't put this very elderly man in this weird nightgown and have him wander through like this graveyard of uneven stones it just it didn't feel very responsible to me um this feels like pre-casting in a community theater show when you promise your friend a part in a role because you're the director and they're your best friend and for years you said you would be great doing this part so you pre-cast him in that part and the whole production is built around this and he's not up to it they're not yeah. up to it. Yeah. The Ghost of Christmas Future. So it starts to quote unquote rain. And the rain is literally just the same effect as the snow. Like it's just a, a mask put over the the footage of what is clearly like a sunny day that they're filming on. Um, which is pretty bad. And then there's Scrooge is like standing by this gravestone. And then the screen goes black. And then it comes back on. And then it goes black and it comes back on again. And you can see in the background, the ghost of Christmas future is there. And then it goes off and it comes back on again. And the ghost reach out and touches Scrooge's shoulder. And it's like almost a good shot. It comes, it, it really flirts with being a good shot at this moment. So here's the thing about the first three shots of the ghost of Christmas future. You get yeah. that one shot where he's in the background right there, right? First off, Ghost of Christmas Future needs to iron his damn robe. Yeah, it literally <laughs> looks like a, like a Grim Reaper costume right out of the package from like Spirit Halloween. Exactly, exactly. So like that's thing one, but still well framed, right in the back, right in the back where it should be. Like if you're, this is the best shot they could have attempted, right? And yeah. they they nailed that. Then you get the scene where he touches the head. I personally don't like the Ghost of Christmas Future touching Scrooge really until the end there. I think that little separation kind of is appropriate for the ghost of Christmas future and Scrooge at this part of the yeah. scene, but whatever, it looks cool. Yeah. And it looks the, cool. It sets tone pretty well. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. And then the next shot is him pointing towards the grave where it's coming up. And that shot is actually, I will say, hold on to your hats. The best shot I have seen so far of someone pointing to the grave. It's perfect. It's, oh. I, listen, the Richard Williams movie exists. I feel like I feel like you're coming at the throne with that one. I don't think this movie deserves to unseat that that beautiful. I'll hand. say it. I don't remember how that was how that looked. Oh. Uh, uh, dude, I don't look. It probably is better. It's probably is better. But I rem- maybe it's because everything else was so bad, John. Yeah. That like I'm really trying to say something nice about this dog crap movie. All right, like we'll say some of the best shots in this movie are shots of the ghost of this ghost. Yes, right, and be and I think it's because they they don't have to shoot it super tight because they're not trying to hide the set, and all he has to do is like stand there and look scary with his robe. And there are some places where it looks kind of dumb, like he does a head nod that looks stupid, but. The batting average for this scene compared to the rest of the movie is is amazing. This is the 1927 Yankees of this movie. Everybody else is some AAA team, okay? Yeah. 
baseball reference. There we go. So we get, uh, so it, it flashes to uh, a shot of Scrooge's dead body, which is a very good shot. And it's a very good shot because it is definitely stock footage. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's, it's cool. So it's like a body, but it looks like it's lying on the ground and it's surrounded by candles. And then there's like a mirror out against the far wall that's like reflecting some of the candles. So it looks very cool. It does not look like a dead man's body in his bed in Victorian London. So again, it's like, it in a vacuum looks cool and the literal second you start thinking about it it doesn't make any sense like this is not where scrooge's body would be and then there's like shots of like uh the body's head being covered with a sheet and the head is clearly that of like a young man with long brown hair so it's not scrooge right and that was the moment where i was like oh okay they didn't just get lucky with a good shot this is not footage that that was shot by anyone who worked on this movie yeah it's just a piece it's like a piece of stock video footage that they downloaded from somewhere which is very weird that's very and that's pretty much why i'm guessing they did for the rest of the film with all the other stuff i don't think they programmed anything i just think they ripped but i could be wrong so are you talking about like the the digital stuff? The digital stuff. Either oh was... yeah, I don't think anyone was making digital effects for this movie. No. I think it's all things no. that were built into their editing program. Or I think Chelsea, Dan, Lucy, Joe, Dan, and Dominic <laughs> were doing some digital effect work. <laughs> but I don't know who the hell was doing. Like it's, I don't man. Like I went and just. For a second, ran about like taking. I think I just people. figured out what our first piece of merchandise is going to be. That <laughs> shirt, I'm it's buying gonna, it. It's going to be a white T-shirt with those names on it in black. <laughs> That's look. We can get that shirt. You, made. you heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Subscribe to our Patreon. Get that shirt. <laughs> no, but let's keep going because I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Scrooge says some some gobbledygook about the dead body. I think it's a piece of dialogue from the text, actually, like a piece of narration, like about him laying there alone. Somehow Scrooge doesn't realize this is his body, even though it's implied that he saw them cover the face, which means he saw the face while they were covering it. But another whatever. Bad inter- another bad interpretation of that scene. Sure. Uh, so then... Um, you know, we we go from there and we end up back in at the Cratchit's Woodland Cottage and everyone's in the same costumes. The only difference is little Lucy's dead now. Right. So, again, Mrs. Cratchit says not a, a single solitary syllable. She just sits there with the same like vague expression on her face, like Mona Lisa, while Bob like monologues at her. It's resting Cratchit face. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you might want to cut that <laughs> no i'm i'm absolutely keeping it because we need some content for this i oh, like god. Just need to put this episode out of its misery oh god um you have to understand like so if you're listening to this we're not like speeding through it and and half-assing this because we didn't because like we want to do a bad job on this show it's because this like so many of these scenes in this movie are so slapdash and boring and there's just nothing happening except for like bob cratchit staring vaguely off camera at a weird angle with with a a look on his face like he doesn't know what emotion is trying to deliver lines about how his like his daughter died and and like smiling through it and trying to like just not understanding how to emote and then mrs cratchit looks like she's like pissed off to be in the movie which I'm not saying that I blame her. And that's like what every scene in this movie is. It's just this bizarre, like 
lack of emotion because no one's giving any direction or they don't know how to emote because they're none of them are actually film actors or their kooky community theater friend directors force them to do this and they don't want to do it like that's a very but again like this is not the first time like a lot of these people like i said were in the other movie 59 that these two directed before this which is a movie like i i want to find it somewhere because that movie takes place in northern ireland so it's like a modern setting i'm not watching oh no i'm just i'm morbidly (laughs) curious like if the way that they filmed this is also how they filmed that and then they looked at that and were like that was a pretty good thing let's do a christmas carol it's just wild it's it's a it's an it's a really wild piece of filmmaking they get to scrooge's grave right after the after the world's worst cratchit scene and at this point there are 25 minutes left in this movie and we are at scrooge's grave right the the climax of this film basically and the reason that there are 25 minutes left in this movie is because scrooge asks the ghost does everything happen for a reason and and oh henry rolls in his grave once more because we're going to get another ironic morality play um this one is uh, once again, we, we're going to dive into the box of mysteries, which again has just a green screen at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest, I didn't laugh out loud when I saw the green screen again, but like, it wasn't worth it, dude. This is bad. And, and it's and it's wild that the ghost of Christmas future is the one showing him this one. That's the most wild thing of all of the ghosts for like the ghost of Christmas future to be like, here's a movie about a plucky nun named Bernadette in 1915 Pennsylvania. Let's see what's going on with her. Right. So so this story is set in 1915. This one that we're going to see. There's an actress who has not appeared anywhere else in this movie who is like decent. She does some like halfway decent like facial acting. She's the best actor in this movie. Yeah, I would say like like unironically, I would say that that's true. She's um, she's trying. God help her. And this little like if I came across this and, and it was like, yeah, I did this as like my senior film final for high school. I'd be like, that's pretty impressive. Like this person is going to go places Right. Like they've got like a style and an intention because this is, again, not shot like the rest of this movie. Right. There are wide shots. There's style choices made. There's kind of some composition going on. There's stuff happening. Yeah. There's production value, like period looking costumes for some people, not everyone. Yeah. Well, and some stuff shouldn't be there, but you know. Yeah. But even like period cars, like. But not period bikes all the time. (laughs) No, no. So, all right. So let's let's talk about this. So basically, um, you have this nun Bernadette, and she's young. She's like a teenager, right? She's like a postulant or something, and she's told by the mother superior that she has a visitor, right? And the mother superior is played by the actress who plays Mrs. Cratchit. So this is like her only line in the movie. Three in three this. characters. Three yeah. characters. Yeah. And she opens the door and the actor who plays Bob Cratchit is there and he's shaved, right? Clean shaven. And he's playing some kind of a soldier. And basically he's delivering her this telegram that her brother Edward has died in World War One, I, I guess, right? 1915. I think he's wearing a Scottish uniform. Oh, I don't know. Because it has a unicorn on the on the cap. And the oh, unicorn is uh, uh, Scotland, and because that's the UK symbol is oh right 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 the right. unicorn yeah. and the lion, you know, fighting for the crown. The, yeah. the lion chased the unicorn all around the town. Some fed him, 
I don't remember the rest of the freaking nurse singer Ryan because this right, movie right. drifted out my brain. Yeah, um, that actually is really funny because the, the, he sh- he's supposed to be an American soldier, right? Right, but, but this is filmed in Ireland, so <laughs> but somehow they got a Scotty. Like, and yeah. I don't know, maybe the unicorn's big in Ireland too. Like, I I yeah. don't know, but I know I know enough to know, and that's what's dangerous here, as evidenced by this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. So so she's really upset, and uh, her, her brother's death leaves her to turn her back on Jesus which is symbolized by her scowling at every statue of Jesus that she sees. And there are a lot of statues of Jesus in this short film that takes place inside of this other film. Yeah. Dead brother means Christ of the faith, which is okay. I mean, I, it's a little weak. Sure. But, but it's like, it's like, really? Like you're, I mean, look, I, I never quite like, you're never in somebody's shoes. Like, yeah. Like maybe she was praying for God to protect him while he was in the war. And then it turns out he's dead. Right? And I did like, all this for nothing. Like yeah. I became a nun to protect my brother in world war one. Cause this is set in 1915 yeah. and in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. In the most Irish looking part of Pennsylvania in the world. And I, I have to imagine that this is like, yeah, it really does. I have to imagine that this, um, this is like a story that these filmmakers read somewhere and just like adapted for this or something like that. It's, it's, I don't know. I believe I've heard stuff like a version of this or something like this, like, or, or just, it's such, it's a generic type of story that we've heard in different contexts. Yeah. 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 Um, so she buys a ticket from England or to England from New York well, first off, she sees a sign that says, England wants women. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, it's advertising for, like, um, uh, like nannies and domestics. Like, for people to be, like, domestic servants. If you can get right. over here, you can get a job, which doesn't right. sound shady at all. Seems really insane to, like, travel to Europe during World War One. That that seems like a crazy, but I guess people were doing it. Hey, uh, Tom, it's 2003. You want to go to Iraq? Sure, Bob, sounds like a good plan. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Same freaking logic. Same so, logic. Yeah, so she buys this ticket from New York to Liverpool, but she's obviously in Pennsylvania, so she's got to get to New York. So she, like, she like hitches a ride in some dude's, like, period-looking car. And what proceeds to happen is this series of, like, of of setbacks where her ride just keeps getting interrupted and the first interruption is scrooge right yeah. <laughs> so so john brett who plays scrooge is in this weird little short film as like some rando who stops the period car that she's driving in which is driving across like grass for some reason not on a road it was, which 19, is very weird. It was 1950s 1915 pennsylvania dude they didn't have roads back then uh, I guess we still don't in many places. Um, oh, snap! Um, so, yeah, like, John Brett runs out and stops the car, and he's, like, pointing vaguely at something, and it's unclear what he's pointing at, but the driver of the car gets out and, like, follows him, and rather than, like, wait for the guy to come back, because clearly he's not just going to leave his car there, she, like, gets out and just sort of trudges away on foot, and is this when she steals the bike? Well, so she she waits no seconds, like you said. She just gets out the car yeah. and starts going. What the heck did he have to go to? Is what my question. Like, yeah, it's well, I like who knows? Like, just some vague emergency interruption by an old man. But, but he's gone, and so she walks along and finds a bike. 
Well, and even before this, so here's the thing, right? She's so impatient, but in the next scene, actually what's happening is she, like, she stops at a fruit stand and buys some fruit, which is all in, like, plastic bag-lined cardboard boxes, which is not accurate to 1915 at all. And then she, like, goes into, like, a vintage store and buys, like, a a suitcase and clothing, which, by the way, in 1915, that would just be a store. Like, it wouldn't be a vintage store in 1915. So she has time to do all this, like, ancillary shopping, but then she's, like, in a big rush. So she steals some lady's bike. And what's crazy about this is earlier on, we see that there is a vintage bike that looks pretty old, at least like 1930s or so. It's very, it's an old looking bike. They don't use that bike. No, they use a very modern looking bike. They use a Nicole Kidman BMX riders are cool movie bike (laughs) in this freaking scene. Okay. And it is, and she, she rides it around and then she puts it on the side of the road and just plays with the little bike chain, like like a kid playing with something that goes. Is it like? Boingy. Is it is it broken? I thought the chain broke. It didn't look broke. It just well, looked... no, because I don't think it actually was broken. I just think we're supposed to infer that it was broken because it's like the next setback. Because at every step of the way, it's like something happens to stop her from getting where she needs to be. Hey, movie, did the chain break? Screw you. Watch it. F- you pay me. Yeah. Um, so she ends up, she gets to New York eventually. By hook or crook, she gets there. And yeah. crook is the word for it. Cause she's break. She's stealing stuff. She's stealing fruit. She's stealing this and that. And, it, and she makes her way to the pier. I think when she, like she misses her train at one point right. and then has to like hitch another ride. Okay. It's, this goes on for ever. It's like, Boring, so mis- much boring travel, silent movie because no one's saying anything. Like John said, if this was somebody's like fine, like student film project to show that they could do some something, fine. But it's just boring, boring, yeah. boring. Um, so she ends up walking down an alley and getting mugged uh, by these guys who are so evil that when the camera's on them, there's a different color filter on it to show how evil they are. Uh, and, I, I got very uncomfortable when this began. I was like, yeah. I, I don't want to see any more yeah, of this. Where is this going? <laughs> where is this? Because I remember the beginning of the movie with the warning. I was like, yeah. oh no, is this going to get like, like I, I wanted to get. This is, by the way, I think like what that rating is for. Because I looked up what it got the rating for and it was for violence. So I think her getting mugged in this scene, which is like the only thing that happens in this movie. So she, yeah, she gets mugged and she's like unconscious. And then some some guy finds her. And who we never see again. He's just like some actor who's got two seconds of screen time. It's a good Samaritan, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Which is, which is okay. If that's what you're going for here. But... So then a, a truly perplexing thing happens where, uh, it flashes to a hospital, like a military hospital. And it turns out that her brother is alive and, and like they got the numbers wrong so like there's a nurse played by carmel barrett the producer of this movie in like a little cameo as the nurse and uh it turns out that like the number on on the the serial number or whatever on the one piece yeah the dog tags the one piece of paperwork is different than the number on the other piece of paperwork which means they told this girl her brother was dead when really he wasn't and and so now we as the audience know that he's alive, but she doesn't know yet. But because she was in the hospital, she missed her her trip. So she's on the beach looking at the ocean, the ocean she cannot cross. And she holds the ticket in her hands 
and defiantly she tears it in half. Right. Cool movie. And then and then her brother just kind of shows up on the beach. Oh no 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 The Lusitania. Well, no, so we'll get to the Lusitania because that comes after this. So, it does? Yeah, I know. So she's reunited I... with her brother. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. So she's reunited with her brother on the beach and it turns out he wasn't dead the whole time. And if she had been on the boat, she would have missed him because they wouldn't have been on the beach at the same time. And they're happily reunited. And she like does this really nice piece of acting where she falls to her knees. Um, and it's pretty good. Like, it's a good scene. It makes no sense that they just like happen to show up because we never see like when the brother wakes up or anything. He's just there. And like, we're supposed to infer that it's her brother because we've at, barely seen him. And at that moment, you could have ended this short story and everything happens for a reason. Because yeah. if she was on the boat, the brother couldn't find her and they couldn't reconnect. But they don't stop there. Yeah, right. So then they're they're in like a cafe talking and they're like laughing. And then he like gets up and walks away. Mm-hmm. I guess to go to the bathroom or something. I don't know. He's and a she dude. turns well, but and here's why that's weird. Because she turns around and Carmel Barrett playing a third role, right, she- is is this woman sitting reading a newspaper behind her. And the girl Bernadette looks and sees what's written on the newspaper and then she gets up and she just walks out of the cafe so I guess her brother left I don't know what's going on and she goes all the way back to the nunnery and she like recommits herself to the church and by the way this whole journey she's been like seeing statues of Jesus and like scowling at them or being up uncomfortable around them because she's abandoned her faith or whatever she sees every statue of jesus if there's a statue of jesus between pennsylvania and new york harbor she's looking at that and having a staring contest yeah. okay and it's and this is so clearly filmed in ireland because they are all like the most catholic possible jesus statues with like the curly little beard and like the heart thing on his chest and and like it the, all of the iconography is like that aggressively um specific style that you see in like old world Catholic churches. It's really funny. It turns out, right, that we we see what's written on this newspaper and it's that the Lusitania sunk on its way from New York to Liverpool, allowing to giving us the critical information that not only would she have missed her brother, but she would have died because the Lusitania was like sunk by a German U-boat or whatever. And, and, and- because of that, she recommits herself to Jesus. Because everything happens for a reason. And it's so funny and overblown. So, like, I feel like in the last episode, I tried to describe these as, like, a Facebook copy-paste. And it is one of those things where it's, like, like it turned out it was this, like, ironic thing all along that you never would have expected. And it's so, like, schlocky and, like, forwards from grandma-y. I can't handle it. And both of the stories were like that. I just, when, when it got to that ending... With the Lusitania. I just, I, I threw my hands up at this movie for the 97th time. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, you couldn't help yourself, movie. You couldn't just stop when you were close to something good. You had to land it on, you had to lay it on thick, right? You had to go the extra mile and you had to be so damn clever. Oh, yeah. the Lusitania. You know what the Lusitania is, right? 
you do right look we're bringing up history we're 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 printing out things from our copier and putting them on street walls to make a set aren't we so freaking awesome and i'm like forgive them lord for they know not what they do <laughs> so after viewing this this ironic story from the box scrooge is like i understand now i understand the spirit of christmas <laughs> what <laughs> everything happens for a reason i i feel like christmas is is downplayed significantly in this movie you almost could have said this movie was not set around christmas time and like it wouldn't have made any difference because happy, happy july 4th because <laughs> <laughs> so well so little of it um so little of it has to do with like why scrooge hates christmas and it's it is more just about like him be and there's nothing wrong with that like this story doesn't have to explicitly be about christmas to be a christmas carol like christmas is kind of like a a background element of of this story when you really think about it as a story of like redemption and and whatnot but it's a natural setting for self-reflection yeah okay yeah when we especially are, around ideas of like charity and and taking care of your fellow man, there's like a natural connection there, and and really establish what the Christmas season was going to be for the 20th and 21st century. Right. Like honestly, there had been a festive time beforehand, but it really takes shape after this story, and yeah. that's why there are so many darn adaptations of it that we sadly have to sit through. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're gonna get kind of what this this particular version is, is choosing to focus on here because Scrooge like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to keep the spirit of Christmas and, and let me have faith in the good Lord, Jesus Christ. And it's like, yeah, throughout this whole thing, like it's always been very like Jesus focused, like have faith in Jesus. And I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it's really bizarre to see like, that intentional choice being made in this version of the story to like focus it that way. Look, I mean, you can do it. You can make that choice. You could go really, really about the faith again. I'm really go Christianity 100% on this story and it could work or it could be this movie. Yeah. It could be really like really feel weird and, and like, and forced and not land and kind of off putting and not and not really getting what that means to say like to take Christianity and like put it I mean Christmas Carol obviously but like they missed the mark yeah 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 don't we could get into a whole theological conversation and and we don't need to so that's our next podcast series so weirdly Scrooge goes from being like very excited about like his newfound faith in Jesus and and like to then being like sad again and like why show me this if i'm past all it's weird like he has like a redemption moment but then goes back and needs another redemption moment and then he's like shaking the spirits robes and then he's back in his bed shaking the shower curtain that they've hung up to be his bed curtains and all of the like scrooge's redemption stuff is is like one shot of his face in the bed and he's like i'm happy as an angel and mary's a schoolboy, and he can't get up and jump around and stuff because they don't have a set Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. he doesn't get up and jump around or anything because he can't get up and jump around whoa. or anything. OK, that's like a different story. <laughs> well, and then there's a weird thing that happens where it cuts and he's like outside looking at this bird 
right? Which is weird because it's winter. So why is he looking at a bird? Uh, they, and, and they make this intentional choice of like filming this bird a couple of times in what is supposed to be winter. And at this point, it's like, sure, screw it. Like, whatever. Why not? Why yeah. not? You pay me. And there's this weird thing that happens here where he does this laugh that they keep cutting to over and over again as he's talking. So he'll be like talking and it'll be like, it'll be like, uh, like I'll, I'll buy the prize Turkey that was hanging in the shop. <laughs> They'll never know it was for tiny Tim. <laughs> and it's so upsetting and weird. It feels like what you were talking about, like a, like a Tim and Eric sketch or something, right. like a late night adult swim. Like, like, like John C. Riley will show up in a minute and just yeah, talk yeah. about this. Like, no, it's, I, he's trying this poor JB. He's trying, man. And yeah. <laughs> he's, he's really trying. And I don't know if this was his life dream to play Scrooge or somebody saw him and thought that's Ebenezer Scrooge. I, I think it is. The, I 100% the latter. I, I really, I, really do. And I hope it is from the point of view that this is not like a dream that he did not fulfill to the best of his pit capabilities like i yeah i wish that this was just a favor he was doing for two smug assholes who wanted to make a movie and he is he's he's put into a position that he shouldn't be in yeah but damn it jb is trying his best yeah so um scrooge runs into the charity worker and they're they're clearly filmed on different backgrounds with different lighting again, but like different than the first time. So I, that's like a step in the right direction, I guess. And he hands her like modern looking paper money. Yeah, I think it's a euro or no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like 15 pounds, which is a denomination that doesn't exist. It's like fake money, but just not at all what he would have given her in, you know, 1795 or whenever they're saying this movie takes place. I'll and say then, this. I'll say this for the movie. If they didn't have that scene with the nun, I would have been upset because they spent so much damn time with the Fred yeah, nun. Exactly. That they needed to like bookend that. Yeah. And story. since like Fred is not a thing in this movie, right. basically the nun is like the only like this. The stakes of this are really low because it's basically like, is he going to give money to this nun and give Bob a raise or not? And that's pretty much it. Um, there's a point, there's a moment here where he takes off his hat and asks her for forgiveness. And then she's like, of course I will. And he puts his hat back on and it is clearly the same shot of him taking the hat off, just played in reverse. Cause his, when he, when he brings the hat towards his head, his head, his hair kind of like jumps and like attaches to the hat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh my God. <laughs> And it's like, wow, you really couldn't take two seconds to film him putting the hat back on his head. Oh, like, no. It's clearly so much work being done in editing to make this work. Well, John had to take the hat off, right? He J- JB, when he took the hat off, he hurt his arm, so he couldn't put it back on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Like, I'm not either get the coverage or don't allow me to make the age jokes. Okay. Yeah, One or yeah. the other here. Come on, people. So let's let's bring this home. So the next scene is the Bob Cratchit scene. Ugh. And and we get like the echoey thunder effect of like evil Scrooge when he's like, why are you late or whatever? He <laughs> man, why are you late to work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I get to drop the Masters of the Universe sound again. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he sounds like Skeletor a little bit in this moment. A, l- a little, yeah. Um, and... 
and again it's like like we don't see bob like walking in late we just see him like there at his weird little desk monotone boring as hell bob yeah. cratchit yeah um so a few weird things happen here and i want to know which one is your favorite the first one is when Scrooge says to Bob he's going to raise his salary, they also do the echo effect, which I laughed out loud. It was so funny when they put the echo effect on that line. And then immediately after that, they play this incredibly bad like MIDI trumpet version of the Hallelujah Chorus. Which of those two things is better? <laughs> I'm going to raise your salary. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's god awful. Like it's just the it's it was the crappy cherry on top of all of this stuff. And I go back to the beginning of this movie when they're doing the intro, right? Proudly presents right there. They are proud of this 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 movie that just I that wasted an hour and a half of my life and now three hours of recording this podcast that I won't get back. So this brings it to a close and we get like Bob's closing narration, which is basically like the ending of the book. And they say the thing about like little Lucy saying, God bless us, everyone, even though I'm like 90. She didn't say it. sure that she, she didn't say it anywhere in the movie. If she did say it, egg on my face. I didn't hear it. I remember getting to the end of it and he hearing him say that and being like, I don't remember if she actually said it. She petted a doggy that we thought was little Lucy, but that was it. Yeah, and and yeah. coughed and coughed a little bit like Zoolander. I got the black lung, pa. Like, <laughs> like that's it. Like, that's all she did. She she doesn't... There's nothing that makes that character interesting besides the cough and the petting of the dog. Yeah, it's un unarguably the worst Tiny Tim. Yeah. Like, honestly. But I mean, everything in this. Like, there's nothing in this that is not the worst version of it that we've seen. Yeah, it's nice to know we've reached the bottom in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, we have... Yeah. like. It's all up from here, even the yeah. bad ones. Like last week, we we were uh, two weeks ago. We were talking about the Patrick Stewart one. The Patrick Stewart one got rank went up by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, by just being marginally better than just this by, movie. By being somewhat competent, it was it went up in stock. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So now we're at the end of this, and um, I'm going to ask you our our questions, and I feel like this is going to be really tricky. I'm 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 really not sure where I want to go with this. James, what gets your prize turkey for this movie? All right, I'm going to make sure I'm trying to say his name right here. John Brett. Yeah, John Brett. Yeah. John Brett gets my Christmas turkey because he shouldn't be in this position. He shouldn't be having to do this at this age. If he wants to do it, God bless. But if he was coerced into this somehow i feel shame on the people that did that to this man but he is trying he's not doing great he's not doing great but he's trying his best and i'll tell you what there are some moments that even though they are off-putting and weird i kind of got a kick out of some things he did i got a kick out of his uh when he woke up from whatever the hell that ghost sequence was like like yeah when he wakes up and he's being giddy 
I kind of giggled a little bit. I kind of got, I was kind of laughing there. And he, maybe there was something about that four tooth smile he had that made me laugh. <laughs> like, like I, I like, and in a sweet way, like he seems like this guy, I could, I could have a drink with this guy and a nice conversation about his life and learn about who this man was. And I would, and I feel I feel sympathy towards this guy. So I feel like for the work he had to put into this piece, he gets my Christmas turkey. John, nice. John, who gets your Christmas turkey? So James, I need you to do me a favor and I need you to read that list of names again. Okay. <laughs> Chelsea, Dan, Lucy, Joe, Dan, and Dominic. I think those are the names. Uh, for for reference, I'm dyslexic, and I was writing down pretty quick. All right, that's all right. That's what the names are. So, so Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, Dan, Lucy, Dan, uh, Joe, Joe, and Dominic. Uh, oh, dude, my, two two Dans, two Dans. I, I think I got both Dans in there. So those guys get my my prize turkey for this movie for for. I guess probably possibly creating the only visually interesting thing in this movie, which was a, a very nice rendering of a medieval town that we got to fly through at the beginning of the film, because I am not going to pay a compliment to any piece of work that was actually done by the creators of this film. And if that work was indeed ripped off, they're the only people that put work into this movie that actually deserve a credit. So they're that's the, what my prize turkey is going to be. They're the only innocent parties adjacent to this project. You're saying yeah. like <laughs> everybody else is guilty, but if they yeah. just got ripped off and dropped in here, they did make a very nice CGI intro for a 1994 Sierra point and click game. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say, I, I don't know. I could see that on a, on a 360. Like, like a smaller 360 Xbox, game. Xbox original, I guess, because I, couldn't, sure, I yeah. couldn't call it Xbox One because Microsoft, screw you. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, man. What's the next part? <laughs> oh, well, this is the part that's going to be fun. What gets your lump of coal for this movie? All right. Okay. Because there's so many options. Yeah. I think... Okay, my lump of coal for this, I'm going to cheat here a little bit, but it is the two short films. Okay. If you take those short films out, this is a bad Christmas Carol movie, but at least it's a Christmas Carol. Yeah. It really is those two short scenes that make this wildly different than any other version of a Christmas Carol you're going to see. And it almost makes it feel like like the movie is kind of about being a framing device for these two weird short films. Which I think is what happened here. I think these were two short films that either the directors and writers made, right? Mm -hmm. And that they just made them in the in the past somewhere and they were like, we have nothing to do with them. Maybe they for for a contest. Like maybe there was you ever see one of those like 24 hour make a movie contests sure. that are out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like these could have been for something like that. Or they were just they were like like test reels for funding for bigger projects that they never got to make. We got them lying around. We got nothing to do with them. Let's shoehorn them into this uh, Christmas Carol movie, yeah. and so we can make time because it's so, like there's because like, we got to make this to... piece of crap stretch. Yeah, John, what gets your coal? My lump of coal goes to uh, Garish Patel and Carmel Barrett, who I who I think so. 
I, I want when I was tr- doing some like background research on this movie, I was trying to find out about the director and the producer. And the one thing that I've found was like the GoFundMe page for 59, their other movie, where basically it's like a video of, of Carmel Barrett, who seems like kind of odd, but whatever. And she's talking about how she encountered this story called 59. And I don't know if it was like a script that she found or or what the deal is. Um And she just like loved the story and its messages. So she says in this video, she she exhausted her savings and took out loans to make this movie when then she's asking people for like money to cover that. And I'm like, that is that is a thing that someone does who clearly has no clue what they're doing. And it and it just seemed very and like you look at like the trailers for their movies and you watch this movie and they're clearly so terrible and amateurish amateurish. I mean, this movie has one star reviews across the board on Amazon. And I mean, people are watching it, so they must be making some kind of money off of it. They just made money off of you and me. But like it, it just reeks of like we're going to we are mediocre at best artists who are going to put this out there and try to pass it off as something that it's not. And it's frustrating. And I don't want to say that, like, I feel like I'm making an indie podcast, right? So like anyone can make art without having that much technical skill. Right. And I don't want to downplay that. But at the same time, the general impression I get of both of these people is that they are just shooting like really, really far above their ability level and trying to make this movie. And it ultimately fails because I think they, rather than trying to make something that was good with the resources available, they tried to make something that was like way far beyond their means and ended up killing it by being overambitious. So they get my lump of coal. Look, like you said, John, we're just two schmucks making a podcast here. We're nobody, right? We're no, we're nothing special. We're just people having some fun. Yeah. I make movies with my students at the school, right? I think they're funny. I think they're silly. I get a laugh at them. We watch them together with the students, right? But you know what we don't do? We don't charge people $15 to own them on Amazon. Yeah. The general impression I got, and and this is literally just my impression of like watching one video and, and like seeing kind of how they handled this, especially if with the possibility that they like ripped off someone's animation for the opening like you're saying is just like there's some corners being cut here that i don't like and and no it's like it's like when again it's like when somebody tries to put on a show but they don't have the rights for the show they don't have the rights to put on the musical they don't pay a music licensing right they just they half-ass everything and it's the amateurness of it that makes it even worse especially when you know that there are people out there that are part of this film that are probably embarrassed to be in this. Yeah. I'm not saying it's all everybody in this cast. I'm sure there are people in this movie, probably the director and the writer, who are, again, very proud of this and, like, hold it up as being better than Hollywood. I freaking bet they said that. And but Yeah, there are, I, have some, I have some newspaper articles to link you to. <laughs> and then I bet there's people that did this movie as a favor and now are immortal in a bad movie. Yeah. And that's not fair. That's not fair to do that to somebody to make them a meme. Okay? 
they, they do. So, so luckily, I don't think anyone watches this. Like this is I've I've found this is how it starts, YouTuber. though, John. The, John, yeah, this is how true. it starts because somebody's going to hear this and show it to a friend, and it's going to spread like a cancer. Welcome to Jacob Marley is dead, where we're where we are the uh, we're the root cause of cancer. Um, <laughs> Jimmy, does this does this movie have a place in your Christmas future? Do you think, or is this staying in your Christmas past? Well, you know, when analyzing the film and really considering, of course, it's going in the past. I can't, I'm, I, I, I'm not one of those guys that likes to go back and rewatch the room. I've done it. I've done yeah. that, and I, and I've been a part of that crew. But I, I, as I get older and I get more and more bad movies in my, I can't do it. I fed up with this world. I can't do this to myself. So yeah. I might listen to our reviews for a kick in the future. Or I might see another review of this in the future. I am never, never sitting down and watching this again in my life. Yeah. Yeah. This, I'm I'm kind of on the same page. So I I also, um, I'm putting this in my Christmas pass with a qualifier. If I had, if I could watch it for free, I might like if and i wanted to show it to somebody i absolutely will not spend money on it again no. um that's an investment in this podcast that i was willing to make because it was like only two dollars um if it had been any more than that i honestly might have been like i don't know about that but um if i can watch it for free i could maybe see it in my christmas future but i think what's more likely is there there are a couple of youtubers that i've seen do do like takedowns of this which just kind of clip the funniest parts and their commentary is good and i'm more likely to go back and like watch those for a kick than i am to go back and watch this movie cuz it's a, it's work i mean this is an hour and 17 minute movie and it feels like 2 hours it it really really is is pretty dreadful so uh, I stopped taking notes because every time I did, I had to pause it. And if I did that, it would make the viewing experience three hours long. Right. It would be excruciating. I couldn't do it, John. I, this is, I've, I, we've seen some kooky stuff already on this podcast, but this one, I don't know, man. Yeah. It puts things in perspective. I look back at, at Albert Finney Scrooge and I'm like, <sighs> Albert <laughs> Finney Scrooge is the godfather compared to this thing. Like, yeah. Give me, well, you know what? Lay in a little thank you very much right now because thank you very much to this dog crap movie. Scrooge has gone up in stock again. Like it yeah, is yeah. like, oh, and, and and again, it's it's really hard to compare, right? The flaws of a big budget '70s movie musical starring Albert Finney to this movie that probably cost like what five thousand dollars, like if that, right? Like, if 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 a thousand, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I could see this being made for less than five hundred. Well, Jimmy, what are we uh what are we watching next week? A Christmas Carol. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But uh we are gonna we're gonna have a nice palate cleanser next week because next week uh we're gonna be watching the Black Adder Christmas special. Oh thank God. Yeah. It'll be short. Oh thank it's you. like it's like twenty five minutes maybe. It's funny and actually good. Thank you, John. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Coltrane's in it. It's great. It's gonna be great. Oh, 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 thank you. Yay. 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 It's a Christmas miracle. Thank so, you. Thank so you, to, John. As Jimmy likes to say, a peek behind the curtain here, usually what happens when we record these is we watch the movie and then we sit down and record all of our commentary, which is like a three hour recording session. Um, this one was way tougher to get to. I was expecting like, this is such a bad movie. This will be so much fun to get through. It is a a chore to talk about this movie. It's really tough. 
Yeah, I do not envy now that I have gone through true trash as a reviewer, which I guess I am now. Yeah. It's I don't envy anybody that's ever had to sit through that stuff and like review it. It's not an easy job. Um I I I I want to get back to quality Scrooge. And yeah. I, f- I think we've got that in our future. Oh, we do. Oh, next episode. I am all in on that one. Like Yeah, that's going to be fun. Next week can't get here fast enough, people. Well, until next week, if you have thoughts about this movie and you want to share them with us, send an email to jacobmarleyisdead at gmail.com and we will happily read those responses out on the air. We haven't had any emails yet. We're about 12 episodes in, so hopefully uh, hopefully that'll be forthcoming. But um, <laughs> was that like a pity party? <laughs> it, was a, it was a little, little pity party there, John. Like that yeah. was, what are you going to do? A GoFundMe next? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to put my life savings into this podcast. Gosh. <laughs> my, my wife Two will ki- kick me out of the house. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would do it for her, to be honest. Um, you can also contact us on Twitter at Marley's Dead Pod. Follow us on Instagram. Um, just look up Jacob Marley is Dead. Um, and on on Facebook, if you're still part of uh, the the fascist machine of Facebook, um, Jesus, <laughs> this is what this movie did to John, friends. Like I'm supposed to be like the the like the hearted like jerk of the podcast. And- well, at this point, right, you have the you have what are your social media options, right? You have the the evil bird app, or you have the the evil robot app, or the photo app that is owned by the evil robot app i guess you could go to parlor is that a real thing <laughs> yeah no Parlor's the one that all the all the uh the trump people went to when trump got banned from twitter so it's just like a a, a neoconservative hellhole you can follow us on twitter at marley is dead pod uh you can follow us on instagram and you can follow us on on Facebook to get updates about uh, new episodes, uh, links to uh, some of our our friends of the show, other podcasts that we uh, that we are in contact with that are really great. Um, Jimmy, what is something uh, people can do uh, if they want to support us and this episode hasn't melted their brains? Then go to our GoFundMe page and give us a billion dollars because we dumped all of our life savings into this thing. Or you know what they could actually do? They could leave us a five star, five star, five star, five star, five star review. I'm done, John. I can't. Please leave the five star review, please, because it does help us. And you don't have to give us money like some other people. You could just leave us a five star review, and we, you know, we'll be happy with that. Yeah. And if you don't want us to review horrible crap like this in the future, leave us a comment and write us an email, and we'll read it on the air. Because I don't want to watch more crap like this. And I know you don't want to hear me sound this depressed. So why don't you leave that five-star review, Timmy? You know you want to. Lucy, come on now. Lucy and Timmy, come on. I see you there sitting on the toilet. I see <laughs> you're listening to All this. Right. Po- you're right there. And you got your, you got your phone and you're listening um, to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's you. I know. You're right there right now. I think it's time to take this episode out behind the woodshed. Special thanks to Ben DeVries for our uh, beginning, closing, and interstitial music. Thank you to Milo Newman for our cover art. And thank you to you listeners for continuing to tune in and enjoy A Christmas Carol with us where we keep the spirit of Christmas alive all throughout the year. Uh, unless Jimmy unless Jimmy goes insane. Um, 
I can't do it, John. I can't do this podcast with this type of stuff. Next week will be better. Next week will be better. And until next week, listeners, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, ships, everyone. It's over. Thank God. Thank you.